Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Llewellyn Boggs, and I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Jennifer Thompson, who is a psychotherapist specializing in working with the LGBTQ plus community in Toronto. Today, we'll be discussing how to be an ally for transgender individuals. Let's get into today's discussion. Hey, Jennifer, how are you? I'm good, Llewellyn. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, can you just tell us in the audience a little bit about yourself and your experience in the field of psychotherapy? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on here. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk about being an ally for the transgender community. Um, I just want to let you guys know that my name is Jennifer. Um, I use pronouns she and her. I am a psychotherapist. Um, I work in private practice under Roots and Wellness. Um, they're originally out of Hamilton, obviously. Right now we're doing everything virtually, um, but I specialize in working with the LGBTQ plus community and in particular the transgender community. Um, so I work with a lot of clients who are going through the transition process or who are exploring their gender identity. Um, I do myself uh, uh, identify as cisgender. Um, and so I work from a, a bit of a different lens than some other therapists who work with the community who might be, um, you know, sort of active members of the LGBTQ plus community. So um, I'm hoping that my experience as a cisgender ally for the community can bring a bit of a different light for people who uh, might be on the outside trying to be allies for the community without having that personal experience. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like through my research, I did notice that many psychotherapists in this field are either transgender themselves or a part of the LGBTQ community, which is um, actually quite interesting. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say on the topic. Um, so as you know, like um, the this podcast is about how to be an ally for transgender individuals. Um, could you explain to us in your own words what it means to be an ally for transgender individuals and how does it differ from being an advocate? Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to just start by saying that in terms of being sort of an expert on how to be an ally, I think at the end of the day, the transgender community are really the ones that are the experts on, um, you know, what it means to be an ally, because they're the ones who know what they need, right? And so I'm coming from a lens of, again, a cisgender woman who is, has, you know, lots of experience working with the trans community. Um, but I think one piece of this is really making sure that we are looking to the community themselves to get some of that information. So I'm gonna do my best to shed some light on it, um, on what I try and do. Um, and basically I've kind of split it up into five different pillars and one of those is advocacy. So I really believe that being an ally in, includes advocacy um, and that they're not necessarily different. Um, so the first is education, really understanding, working to understand the transgender community and the LGBTQ plus community as a whole, um, looking at the struggles that they go through um, so that we can really try and empathize as best as possible with them and um, see where we can make changes and um, do different do things differently to make them more comfortable and um, make their lives a little bit easier. The second is acceptance, um, which is kind of like the bare bones like easiest thing most people go to right well I'm accepting which is great and so really acceptance of who people are without questioning their motives or reasons um, and it's really about universal acceptance. Uh, you don't necessarily have to understand why somebody might be transgender, um, but working to educate yourself on some of their struggles and what they go through and then accepting them uh, without question. Uh, asking questions when appropriate. So this one is really important because there's a bit of a fine line between asking 
you know, an appropriate number of questions and then asking some questions are inappropriate. Um, so, you know, when it comes to referring to someone, really asking about pronouns and things like that is, is really helpful and kind of helps normalize that experience, right? Um, that's one of the things that I hear from uh, my clients a lot is that having to give their pronouns it feels like it really sets them apart because cisgender people don't think about those things. So integrating that kind of thing into your everyday, such as asking pronouns is really helpful, but also making sure not to ask too many questions that are inappropriate. So, you know, kind of asking yourself, um, do you need that information to be respectful? So uh, an example of a question that isn't appropriate is whether or not somebody has had surgery. Um, unless you're in the medical field and you're this person's doctor, it, it's not an appropriate question to ask. So asking questions when you're not sure about things that, that are meaningful, such as how to refer to them, but then not asking too many questions that are gonna make people uncomfortable. Um, the third is advocacy, as I mentioned. So um, working with the trans community by speaking up when you hear injustice or hate, working to integrate them into the spaces that you do have control over. Um, and sometimes just bringing issues to the table where you have a seat at the table can be really helpful, like pointing out to your employer that there are no gender neutral washrooms, for example. Um, and the last one is integration and bias checking. So we all have biases, myself included. Um, I'm not without biases. I make assessments and judgments quickly because that's what our brains are designed to do. Um, but making sure that we're aware of those and notice them so that we can keep them in check. So one really common example is that usually when we meet someone new, we automatically assume their gender based on their appearance. Uh, and it's really important to recognize that we do that and try and sort of change our mindset so that we're not making those assumptions that can then lead to people being uncomfortable. So again, like I mentioned before, asking what people's pronouns are in our daily lives um, is really, really helpful. And it's such a small thing that we can do. Um, you may have noticed in uh, Llewellyn in your workday or you know, people listening that you're seeing more and more people adding their pronouns to their email signatures and that kind of thing. Um, and it's really just to help avoid misgendering people, creating a safe space. And it's really about respect at the end of the day. Um, so really in conclusion, the takeaway here is that it, there's a lot more to being an ally than just saying that you're accepting of the trans community. Taking a look at our privilege as cisgender people um, and the power that we have in our own circles, working to make those changes to help the community be more comfortable and included um, is, is really, really important. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I really liked how you um, said that like being an advocate is a part of being an ally because I find that online it's just like they kind of separated it a bit, which um, can be misleading, right? Um, and I have definitely, as you mentioned, like in my own personal life, have seen like that transition. Like I noticed people saying when they're referring to someone else, they would say, oh, she said this and they would just correct themselves and be like, oh, no, they said this instead. So I'm definitely noticing people being more aware of the pronouns, which is definitely important. Um, and I know you did uh, touch upon this in your examples, but if anything you want to add about how cisgendered individuals can be an ally, just like in their everyday lives, like small things, like it's maybe something you haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, so I think I want to reiterate really about asking for the pronouns, making that sort of a normal piece of, of your life, because again, you know, if it's only ever the trans community or the LGBTQ plus community that's offering their pronouns, it does create this sort of otherness, right? Um, you know, they're kind of outing themselves right away, in a sense, right? You might think, oh, is this person part of the community? So if we can normalize things like that, it can be really helpful. Um, another thing that came up as you were, as you were talking was about um, just sort of more general neutral terms you know you meet someone you might say oh 
you know, uh, they might identify as male and you may say, uh, oh, do you have a wife? And so, and I know that's not necessarily specific to tra the trans community, but the LGBTQ plus community, really just normalizing, like using gender neutral terms um, until you do know, right? Do you have a partner? Do you have children? Like those kind of things. Um, can be really helpful. Uh, and it is difficult, it takes time, but as long as we're trying and we're, we're working to integrate these things, it, it's gonna move forward faster and it'll just kind of normalize. Um, the other really big piece, and I did touch on this, but was really looking at your privilege and the things that we take for granted as cis people. Um, and so those things that you don't think about on a daily basis that, that trans people do have to think about, like which washroom to use, um, being clocked or outed in public, harassment from others just for, you know, walking down the street, uh, gendered spaces such as gyms or sports leagues, representation in the media, and, you know, the list goes on. There's so many things in, in daily life that we don't think about. Um, you know, for me, I, I play soccer and I play in a co-ed and a women's league, right? So as a trans person, there, there's a lot of difficulty around sports leagues and what's allowed and what's not. And there's a lot of talk about those things in the media right now. Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of articles about, um, about like Olympics and like high level athletes and this type of topic and it's like really controversial and it's like we like how do you know like what's right what's wrong it's like definitely something that needs to be explored um but why is it important to be an ally like how does it affect um a transgender individual's um, mental health positively and negatively if they don't have an ally yeah, so from a mental health perspective, we know as as humans that everybody needs support, right? If you can think about yourself and the times that you've struggled in your life, you know, we've all had struggles throughout our lives. Everyone's everyone's experience has been different. Um, but imagine having nobody there to support you. I mean, for some people, you don't have to imagine. I mean, there's people outside of the LGBTQ plus community um, who have had struggles in their life where they haven't had support. Um, and it's very difficult to get through some of those times. Um, there are marginalized groups in our society uh, and have been throughout history, right, um, that haven't had support, you know, the Muslims after 9-11 and uh, people from Asian descent after COVID started, you know, there's systemic racism everywhere against Black and Indigenous individuals. So there's lots of people who, who sort of don't have that social support, including the transgender community. Um, and everyone needs love and support and consideration and acceptance. Uh, and it's, you know, we know it's not okay to marginalize someone for who they are in any form. You don't have to go through someone else's experience to be able to empathize and be kind. We can treat all people with respect, even if they're different from us, um, and educate ourselves about these situations and where people are at a, a disadvantage. So, um, you know, if you think about a situation where someone, you know, let's let's take us a, a trans, two trans people who uh, are walking down the street and are both sort of accosted by. Uh, someone else you know yelling slurs at them and being rude you know person a comes home and has a supportive family to come home to and they tell them about what happened and saying like you know this person said all these terrible things to me um and you know they have this supportive family who's like no you're a beautiful person and you're amazing and don't listen to them and and they're super accepting and and you know comforting in that time versus person b who after that experience goes home and doesn't have that support system um and they don't have anyone to talk to and so all they do is read play this scenario in their mind and after a while they start to wonder if it's true if all these awful things that this person has said to them is true and it can really lead you down a dark path and so you know the trans community is not different from you know the cisgender community in this experience of needing support we all need support um 
And so it's really, really important that we do that because some people don't have it from their families. So um, even seeing things in media, having, having representation in the media so that, you know, people don't feel different is important as well. And I know there's been a lot of talk about that, um, that too lately about, you know, we're seeing more of the LGBTQ plus community represented in the media, but the trans community is still very, very underrepresented. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you're very right about that. Um, like through my research, I, I have noticed that there is a lot of talk about um, how transgender individuals have higher incident incidences of suicide and depression. Uh, depression. Um, do you find that that's true, like through your work, or um, um, is it actually more staggering than they're reporting? Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. I mean, just just even before coming out, just the anxiety of of what they could potentially go through. Um, in the process of coming out is is unbelievably anxiety inducing and can and can cause depression as well. And so the other piece to that is that without family support, there have been studies done. Um, I think TransPulse is one source that has done some amazing research, but without um, family support, those numbers are even higher. Um, so the, the more support that we can provide to the community, the better off they're going to be from a mental health standpoint. If they can go online and search, you know, trans resources and see a huge list of places that they can go or, or, or phone lines or, you know, those kind of things, it's going to be so much better for them to find this support. Um, and one of the other things that I do is that I provide training to therapists to work with the trans community because there's so little support. And so um, if you can get some education and some training and resources, please do so. I know we're going to talk about that in a minute, but um, just kind of as a preemptive, you know, the more that you can provide for, for the community, the better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, what's something that allies should know about the transgender experience? Like anything like interesting in specific? Yeah, so again, doing some research, reaching out to the community to really understand the struggles of, the, of uh, the transgender community is so important, being aware of the things that we take for granted. Um, the other piece, though, that I think people really don't understand when I talk to individuals who don't have a lot of experience with the transgender community is that not everybody's transition is the same. And it's really important to not make assumptions that, you know, the one thing I get all the time is that you know, they, people assume that someone who's transgender will go through every surgery possible in their transition. And that's simply not true. Um, there are some people who, who never go on hormones. There are some people who never get surgery. Um, and there are others who do all of it. So it's really important to not make assumptions. Um, I've even seen, you know, medical professionals who say that they're supportive and are accepting, but they make these assumptions. Um, so really important to understand that not everybody's experience is different and not, not make those assumptions so that we're not kind of making people feel badly about their experience. Right. Um, um, what other mistakes do allies often make? Like, uh, aside from these assumptions, definitely. Um, do you notice any other big ones that allies often make? I think the biggest thing is making assumptions, um, and in everything. So with not even just about transgender individuals themselves, but just people in general, right? Um, assuming pronouns, assuming partners, right? Assuming everybody is straight that you see, um, uh, assuming what process you might go through for surgery. Um, and so that that is the biggest thing. So in order to avoid making assumptions, really educating yourself and asking questions is important. Um, 
and recognizing that all trans people and all people are valid regardless of what medical procedures they decide to have, regardless of how they identify. Um, even assuming that we know what we can do to help in the trans community can be dangerous. You know, while I do work with the community um, quite extensively, I'm still constantly um, trying to educate myself and be more involved because I don't I don't know everything either. So we, we don't want to make the assumption that we know and that yeah I'm good I I'm I'm accepting so that's enough. Mm -hmm, right. Um, like so when someone does make a mistake like mispronouns or dead name or something of the nature like what do you recommend to allies to remedy the situation and make it right? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, just apologize and and try again moving forward right so if you misgender somebody it happens um, and of course we don't want it to happen and so as long as um people see you trying that's usually um really helpful of course if you continue to misgender somebody over a long period of time that's a little bit different but if you do misgender someone just say oh i apologize and correct yourself and then move forward and just really trying to make a conscious effort to improve as you move forward Right. And I see a lot of times um, people try to take this um, allyship online um, and I've seen it even like outside of the transgender community with um, systemic racism and political issues, whatever, whatever, whatever. And why do you think uh, performative allyship is harmful sometimes? Yeah, so there's really two big things that that are important to note with performative allyship. It is super harmful, right? So to expand on on the doctor example I gave before, um, this particular um, example, the doctor had said, yeah, I can help you get on HRT. And it sounded really great. You know, the doctor was accepting and, you know, wasn't an expert necessarily in the field, but was willing to help. Um, but through the process, the doctor continuously misgendered this patient and even used unnecessary terms like Mr. or Mrs. Remember we talked about unnecessary partner terms. This is another example. You don't need to use Mr. or Mrs. You know, you can ask what's your preferred name and use that. Um, and then they made that assumption about them getting surgery. So while this, this, medical professional initially advertised as being a safe space, this client of mine ended up feeling really badly about themselves and really, um, you know, had a very negative experience, um, feeling shame because of the way the doctor assumed that all trans people would get surgery and this particular person didn't want to get surgery. And so it kind of invalidated that decision for them because they were like, well, this person assumed I would. So am I supposed to, you know, you start to question yourself. So that's one way, um, you know, it's really harmful because if you, if you're not educating yourself, if you're not doing the research and saying that you are accepting, um, you can really, really hurt people in the end. The other piece to that is, you know, you, you, we talked about, trans people being able to look up, you know, trans inclusive spaces. Well, if people who are uneducated and, and don't have training start to educate or advertise that, um, that they're offering a safe space and then they do things like this, now the trans community is gonna question whether a space is actually safe, right? And we don't want that to happen. We want safe spaces to be safe. Ideally, all spaces will be safe, but, um, we want to make sure that when we're advertising that yes this is a safe space and and we're trained and we work with the trans community on a regular basis and all of those things that we're equipped with the tools to do so so that we're not hurting people and we're not invalidating people's experiences mm -hmm. and like uh going back to that doctor example like 
like, did you find that, like, I don't know if you spoke to the doctor or told your client to speak to them. Did you find that the doctor was receptive uh, to uh, like criticism or like opening, open to learning more? I, in this particular example, I, I was not in contact with the doctor. It was just a story that I heard from a client, but I hear these types of stories all the time, right? With therapists or um, with doctors and, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know if this doctor would be, but even being open to feedback is really important, right? People make mistakes. And, um, you know, the only thing that I want to just caution people on is, you know, if you want to advertise a safe space, not to wait for the trans community to educate you when you make a mistake, right? It, it is our responsibility to educate ourselves and, and do the research so that we're we're preventing that harm to begin with. We don't want to jump into it and then be like, oh yeah, I'll learn as I go. Because <laughs> we can we can really hurt a lot of people. It's, it's a really dangerous situation. Right. I guess it's not really winging it situation here. Yeah. Um, so as we spoke before, uh, you have some resources on your website, which I'll have linked in the description below. Uh, but what types of resources can be found there for transgender individuals as well as uh, cisgender individuals? Yeah, so I, it, it can be difficult to find some resources and, and I found this a lot. And so I, I've been compiling some resources on my website so that just to make it easier, right, to have everything in one place. So um, there's a few big ones that I will name and I'll kind of give a bit of a background about what they do. So um, EGAL, E-G-A-L-E, -E, um, is an organization in Toronto that works for advocacy with the LGBTQ plus community in the form of legal support. So um, that that's a big one that I know of, um, can be really helpful. I don't know a whole lot about the organization. I do just know that, that that's kind of what, what they do. Um, there are lots of clinics in the GTA that provide support for the community, like transitioning resources. Um, so they have clinics where you can get on HRT, you can get surgery referrals, therapy, all of those things. So CAMH is one, um, Sherburn Health, um, and the Shelter Network in Hamilton are just three that I know off, off the top of my head. Um, if you're looking for resources, um, you know, Rainbow Health Ontario has a practitioner uh, listing. So you can, uh, if you are an ally or if you do offer support for the trans or LGBTQ community, you can actually get put on this um, practitioner listing or uh, service provider listing from Rainbow Health Ontario, and they have a vetting process. Um, so they're all, they're all, uh, you know, LGBTQ friendly or accepting places. Um, so really good resources for resource for the LGBTQ plus community if they are looking for healthcare, um, either mental health care or, or physical. Um, and like I said, there is a longer list on my website. Uh, for cisgender individuals looking for more education and information, as I said, I do provide training for therapists and businesses looking to create safer and more inclusive spaces. Rainbow Health Ontario has a ton of amazing educational resources um, in the form of handouts, webinars, those kind of things. Um, if you are looking for something specific, uh, feel free to reach out to me and I can point you in the right direction as well. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Perfect. That's great. I have like spoken to a few transgender individuals and they have said that it's really hard to find resources or a lot of people point them in the wrong direction. They don't know. So that's really great. I'm sure uh, people will find this helpful. Um, is there anything else you think our listeners should know about being an ally or the experience of being transgender? 
Yeah, I think the key thing I'd like people to take away from this is, is that we need to continually educate ourselves by being involved in the community, um, educating ourselves uh, online or doing research, attending workshops. Um, they are out there. They're a little bit harder to find, but it's becoming easier. Like I said, Rainbow Health Ontario has a ton of great resources. Um, I offer workshops as well. Um, and, and these can be for healthcare um, workers and also just for the general public. Um, one of the resources I didn't mention is um, a place in Toronto called the 519. Uh, and they uh, they do a bunch of stuff. They do workshops. They have um, social events. Obviously, <laughs> possibly not right now, um, but they're they're fantastic. So definitely check them out. Um, but they offer training for workplaces. So um, creating safe spaces in a workplace. Um, I, so those, that's and that's just a small thing that you could do just to make your workplace more inclusive, right? Um, so doing things like that. Uh, and again, utilizing your privilege in the spaces that you um, you hold some power. So if you are in a workplace or a club or anything like that, where you notice that they're they don't have gender neutral washrooms, or you know they're using exclusive language that doesn't include uh, the trans community, then you know speak up and and let people know um, and and really work to be an advocate it doesn't mean that you have to you know raise thousands of dollars every year for trans um charities although that's great too if you're doing that amazing <laughs> but um you know just small things in your everyday life correcting people correcting injustices adding you know pronouns those kind of things are really helpful um, one other resource i did want to mention is that it, on my uh, in addition to resources you know, medical resources and, and things for um, the cisgender community. I've also put a, a list on my website of transition resources. So for individuals who are in the process of going through a transition and are looking for things um, like uh, voice training, makeup tutorials, uh, anything like that, I've, I have compiled a list because it's so overwhelming. There's so much stuff out there. Um, I've, I've taken some time to do some research and compile the list of those kind of things. So for anyone listening who is interested um, in checking out that resource, it can be found on my website as well. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. This was extremely informative. <laughs> um, you definitely know a lot about the topic. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Luan. I'm, again, I'm, I'm honored to be here and to be able to speak um, for, you know, as an ally for the trans community. And um, again, if anybody has any questions, uh, Luan, I think you said you, you'll have my website linked um, on your page. So please just, just feel free to reach out. I'm always, I'm, I'm always available to help um, anyone, anyone who's looking for resources or just information. That's great. Thanks again. Thanks so much. You've reached the end of this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining us, and thank you for our audience for tuning in. Connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content. See you at the next episode.